Before we get underway with today's podcast, we have an important message from BT. Yesterday marked International Day of People with Disabilities. And with that in mind, BT are running a huge nationwide campaign to increase awareness of para and disability football. It's called the 433 Strategy, a partnership with the various home nations FAs, unlike any other done in UK football history. The outline then, a four-nation FA partnership, the FA, the FAW, SFA and IFA, three focus areas, grassroots, women's and para and disability football. And they've three goals, the ambitions to make a meaningful difference and leave a lasting legacy in each area. And on that, Paul Gorst is here with me. And Gorsty, I know you've got a bit of information about the work going on here in Liverpool. Yeah, so BT Help, I've got a case advisor in Liverpool by the name of Gareth Arnold. Gareth's uh, very passionate about sport and volunteering and so on. And uh, he's been heavily involved in helping children with disabilities and special needs, basically just to get into sport through the Liverpool Foundation. Uh, he wants to use the 433 role to open up football to even more children, adults with disabilities, and uh, just by growing the para game locally. Yeah, this is something that's never been done on this scale before in the UK. And we do, of course, uh, wish Gareth all the best in certainly being part of this movement that BT are really trying to get involved with. You can also join in and show your support using hashtag discover disability football across social media. And for more information, you can head to www.bt.com forward slash home nations. Thanks for listening to our message. Now on with the pod. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's a Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along as we get set to talk fans returning to Anfield, Jurgen Klopp's Trent boost, and can the Reds keep the Wolves from the door? Here to get into all of that, as well as our team selections and match predictions, Paul Gorst, Matt Addison, and Peter Harris. Hope that you're uh, all well, gentlemen. I'll come to you first, Gorsty. You were, of course, at Anfield in midweek for the game with Ajax and it seems as though that was the last time you're going to be inside an empty Anfield. Yes, thank thank God for that. Um, it's it's been a it's been a weird one at times. I mean, some games you kind of block it out and you're just focusing on what you need to do and, and you report and, and whatever else. But there's some that are just really hammered home that it's just not right and it's weird and perverse. And I, I think I think I mentioned this before, but the one for me was probably the Mitchell and one in the, in the Champions League because we know how big. And kind of celebrated the Champions League nights are at Anfield, and there's this, there's always the big hullabaloo about, about what it means and so on. And then Liverpool are playing a team who not everyone was particularly familiar with. Um, it was a freezing cold night, so there was absolutely no one there to watch it. Had a bit of a training ground um, kind of feel to it, and it was just a really strange one. So thankfully, it hasn't kind of dragged on too much longer than that. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what it's going to be like on, on Sunday. I mean, it's only 2,000, so it's not, it's not going to be creating a, a huge amount of noise by any stretch. But I think, given the circumstances and so on, they're going to be making a hell of a lot more of a noise than what 2,000 fans would normally be uh, able to make. And given the fact that it's an evening game as well, I think they'll be entering into the ground in good spirits. And looking forward to, uh, to seeing the cop a little bit more uh, populated than it has been the last uh, for six months. Yeah, that might take a a bit of sort of re-getting used to, won't it, Matt? Seeing the, the cop without all of those flags and everything on and obviously with a, a socially distanced crowd in there, but just great to see people back on the cop. 
Yeah, exactly that. It's fantastic to, to see people starting to come back. And as Gorsty says, it's only a, a very, very small number of people. But I do think it will make a, a bigger difference than you know what it, it should do proportionally. Obviously, normally they'd be, what, 54,000 inside Anfield, or certainly not normally, but in uh, previous normal times at least. And I think even the, the 2,000 being there will, will be a big thing for the players. I think that's something that they'll really look forward to. We saw Jurgen Klopp earlier today alluding to a very similar thing that, you know, for, for those 2,000, it'll be very exciting. But I think for, for the players, it'll make a huge difference. And even for, for people watching at home on the television to be able to to just have, instead of that artificial crowd noise, to have, you know, the, the actual sound of actual people celebrating goals and, and things like that, it, it just really sets it up really nicely. And I think, you know, obviously Wolves are one of the teams that are not in, uh, in Tier 2. I think they're still in, in Tier 3, so they're not allowed fans uh, in their stadium. But I think even even for them, this is a step forward. It, it's certainly something that we want to, to see. I've not actually seen the Arsenal game from, from last night, but I know they in, in the Europa League had, you know, a, a small number of, of fans in there as well. And, you know, I'm sure you'll know better than me, Guy, how much of a difference that would have made to, to watch that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's hugely exciting to, to have even such a, a small number back. I do think it'll make a, a real tangible difference for, for Liverpool and, and the way that they play potentially as well. Yeah, it was actually a, a EFL pilot event back in September, actually, with only 1,000 fans in the ground. But I think you might sort of notice, Gorsty, on, on Sunday, actually, just how much of a difference it makes, albeit thinking 2,000 is probably not that many. But let's talk a bit about the game itself. And Peter, it was a real strong night for the academy against Ajax. Jurgen Klopp rung the changes and the young lads certainly put in a shift. Yeah, it was a wonderful result. It was great to see. It was, I think it was... a Klopp on the final whistle kind of um, personified it, everything that it meant. Um, as soon as, as soon as the whistle went, he was straight on the pitch, straight to his goalkeeper, give him that that big hug, a pat on the back. Um, it was wonderful to see after you hear about Alton injury and you, you fear the worst. Here we go again. It's another one. What's going to happen? It was a big moment, big night for him uh, to see him perform, get a clean sheet as well against Ajax. That's no mean feat. Um, he was called upon on numerous occasions, and he has put his, you know, his, his name in the hat, as it were, for the weekend. So, uh, and even Nico Williams as well. He's been, we all know about the publicised kind of criticism he's had, um, trying to live up to that Trent Alexander-Arnold performances. And I think he really put a, a strong foot forward in in making sure he can keep his spot as well for the weekend. I know we spoke a couple of weeks ago, Gorsty, about sort of Curtis Jones and the trust he seems to have won of Jurgen Klopp now and sort of quite fitting that on a night where a number of academy graduates did start that he was the one who who got the goal but I I, th- I don't think we can sort of understate how big a night in the career of Cueven Kelleher and even maybe Nico Williams in sort of dealing with that criticism he's had to to put in the shift he did. Yeah, no question. Uh, just before I answer that guy, I've just got to point out Peter's background there with the, the framed front page of the Echo. I think that's great. So I'm going to have to get that myself, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, I wrote it in, in the match verdict. I think it was a bit of a famous night for, for the staff of the academy when you think of Cueven Keller starring in goal, Nico Williams getting the assist and Curtis Jones getting the winner on a on a, a game that's taken Liverpool into the knockout stages of the Champions League against a team as, as famous as Ajax. Um, you know, I wrote, wrote about Jones last week and it, it just seems to be a, a growing maturity to his game. Last season, we've seen it in flashes. We've seen what he was capable of with the goals against Shrewsbury and, and obviously in particular the one against Everton. 
he was the captain against Shrewsby in the, in the, the replay and um, little flashes of, of skill and, and flair here and there, which we all know that he's got. Anyone who's seen him at an academy level for the last few years knows all about that. But this season, there's, there's kind of less of that and it's more, he's more impressive by just keeping it simple in a way, um, just kind of adapting to what is needed in another permit field, the, the pressing, the closing down, the chasing back. Something that not a lot of people have kind of seen to his game over the last few years because he hasn't really had to do it much. Um, whenever he's been played in the first team, it's to come on and kind of have an impact in games where Liverpool are, are already quite comfortable and you know they might have a 2-0 or 3-0 lead or whatever it is, or in in cup games. So it's um, he's been one of the quiet success stories of the season, I'd say, and to the point now where when he plays, you don't really think twice about it. It's not a big deal. It's not something that you raise your eyebrow right eyebrow about. It's just a um it's just a, another another player for this Liverpool squad. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how he kind of continues this uh, up with curve over the, the coming months. And that's the thing, isn't it, Matt, is last year when we sort of saw a number of the young players, in particular in that FA Cup game with Shrewsbury, everyone was impressed then. But then to jump from that up to Champions League level to a game that Liverpool needed a result against, against the side that, of course, a couple of years back reached the semi-finals of the Champions League. And now it ensures that Liverpool's final game of the the uh, Champions League group phase is pretty much a non-event for them. It, it just shows just how much quality this academy side have produced. And I suppose you've seen a number of these guys come through the ranks and you must sort of be sort of, I don't know, maybe a bit surprised in just how easily they've adapted to making that leap. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of been the, the thing ever since Jurgen Klopp came in in particular. There's been a big emphasis on making sure that the academy teams play in the exact same way that the first team play. Obviously, that is going to be reinforced even more over the next few years, obviously, with the, the move now to, to Kirby with the first team. And I think we, we still... Well, we've, we've seen it plenty of times with Curtis Jones, but I think we've seen it more and more with Nico Williams. We've seen, obviously, him take a, a big step forward, I think, in, in the Champions League. He had Jordan Henderson there talking him through the game. He had, you know, the, the better players around him and, and suddenly he looked at a much better player than what he had done, you know, last week at, at Brighton. So, yeah, it's it, it's one of those where, you know, with Quirin Kelleher as well, that the reason that he was brought in, Jurgen Klopp said, was to be able to, to use his footballing ability, his, his skills on the ball with the with the ball at his feet. And, and I think we saw that it's obviously a, a huge task to, to come in and, and replace a goalkeeper as good as Alisson, but it certainly in, in terms of, you know, with his feet and that sort of thing, particularly in the second half, I, I thought he was, you know, really, really impressive in that regard. So, yeah, it, it's just about having those players that you can plug into the system and, and not really see too much of a, a drop-off in, in terms of the style and that sort of thing. Of course, you know, these players are, are not as good as, as the first-choice players, but if you can be as close to that in terms of the style and the way that you play, obviously, as we saw, that limits the, the sort of difference between you know a, a normal team and a slightly weakened team, if you like. So, yeah, it was uh, it was great to, to see them all come through and, and play as well as they all did. And, to be honest, it's not a massive surprise. I think Kelleher was was the biggest surprise just because it was a bit of a shock. It was uh, you know anticipated that it was going to be Adrian who was was going to be in there, but you know he, he more than than vindicated that decision. And now it would be a huge shock if it wasn't Kelleher between the sticks on Sunday. So yeah, a great night for for the academy, no doubt about that. Yes, yeah, certainly. Gorsty, I'll come back to, to you on this one. Let's move sort of on to this afternoon's press conference and look ahead to the Wolves game. And Jurgen Klopp asks, as always, about team news and has a pretty big update for the Reds. 
Yeah, uh, Naby Keita and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold, he, he said, have, have got the, the best chance of, of perhaps featuring on Sunday. Um, I think that there's a training session this evening which will tell us a little bit more because we know Klopp likes to have, uh, have players in with the main group twice before they're kind of considered for selection. And he said, maybe if they're really struggling, then um, that will kind of get fast-tracked through to just a one. And um, I think you could probably make the case for Liverpool being in that struggling scenario at the moment. So... Um, I think both could be uh, in line for a recall on, on Sunday. I don't think either will start. I think probably Alexander-Arnold has got the best chance out of the two, just in terms of the numbers that are at Klopp's disposal at right-back and, and central midfield. But yeah, it, it's good news, isn't it? It eases the, the injury crisis quite a lot. I think I think they've built up to nine at the moment, first-team players out-injured. So that uh, brings it down quite a lot. And um, I think Klopp was kind of keen to say how much playing Tuesday evening and Sunday evening has helped them with regards to last week when it was Wednesday and, and Saturday afternoon so or Saturday morning evening so um, it's uh, it's good news and I think next week will, will be another big opportunity for them with Michelin coming up and the fact that they're already through it will be a big chance to, to rest again so uh, maybe finally Liverpool can look at uh, turning a, an injury corner Yes, certainly. Trent and Naby Keita there may be back with the squad for the game on Sunday. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he said, back out on the grass, certainly for the warm-up. So hopefully he's not going to be all too far away. But Peter, on Trent Alexander-Arnold and back, I suppose, on what we were saying about Nico Williams, the performance he put in, I suppose, means that Liverpool don't really need to rush Trent back before he is 100% ready because they don't want him to break down again, do they? No, they don't. They can, yeah, they can take their time a little bit with him. And, you know, you can even, Cop loves the tactic things of give, you know, Nico 60 minutes, 60 to 70. And then, you know, if, if the game presents itself, he can allow Trent to some minutes just to bring him back up to match fitness. But especially against a side like, like Wolves, that's so dangerous and you don't want to take unnecessary risks. Um, so if, if there's a chance that, a re- injury could return to Trent. There's no reason to, to rush him when Nico's is finding some form and, and is proving reliable as a deputy. Yeah, stay with you, Peter, and ask you about Jurgen Klopp talking about sort of the fixture scheduling and all of the sort of rumblings that have been coming out of that. It was first Chris Wilder who was sort of on the, the chopping block. He mentioned Scott Parker today as well as Gary Neville. Wasn't sort of too happy with what Gary Neville sort of had to say yeah. about Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp's way of looking at the, uh, the fixture schedule. Yeah, I'm not. Su- I'm not surprised. Kind of got mentioned. I, I was watching the the Monday Night Football where um, Gary Neville and, and Jamie Carragher had a very interesting debate. I think it's worth a look if anyone's missed it. Although I don't think anyone would agree with every point that was made, but there were some interesting ones. And it, Gary Neville was very much talking like a, you know a club executive rather than a football manager. He did admit that he he voted against it for for his for Salford um, and. He was fearing that the bigger clubs would, you know, have an advantage over it. Uh, and then you can see the other side of it where clubs thinking as a manager and thinking it's not because I still have to back, uh, leave one substitute back just for tactical reasons or just in case something happens, you know, disciplinary or, or injury or, or something like that. Um, so, yeah, not surprised that Gary Neville's got the brunt of it. I wonder what I'll, I'm sure the weekend will crop up some kind of uh, response from him. Um but it's one of those I don't think that the situation will be resolved this season. We'll probably have to, it'll be next season, you know, for another vote and the five subs will, will roll on uh, another debate of whether or not 
it's viable. I think a lot more clubs will probably have to suffer more injuries for them to be convinced of voting it through. Um, you know, I, I look and, and see, you know, Man United have like Edison Cavani on the bench, Spurs have Gareth Bale on the bench. So the argument of bigger squads have bigger resources is is, is true to an extent, but they can easily have one or two injuries and, and those resources just aren't there anymore. Yeah, it is an interesting point. He didn't go quite full Rafa Benitez, did he, Matt? But he did have some statistics up his sleeve from the Scottish League and feels as though Klopp might be being rather prophetic here, sort of saying what is coming down the line now that pretty much every club in the Premier League is going to all of a sudden be playing three games a week, whereas a lot of them obviously have had sort of clear midweeks before weekend fixtures. Yeah, the, the statistics were, were really interesting, actually. It's it's interesting, as you say, that he actually chose to, to research that and, and look into it. I think, obviously, over the next couple of months, that's always you know traditionally been the most busy time of the year. I think it will still be the most busy time of the year for, for lots of these clubs who are not in Europe. I think the, the interesting thing is for, for Liverpool, there'll come a point, I think, where Jurgen Klopp actually will go, well, we don't want to vote now on this five subs thing because we've been saying it all season. We've had to suffer. Well, now it's your choice. Now, it, you know, you've you've put yourselves into this position. If, say, in, in January or February time, suddenly one or two more clubs decided that they would quite like five subs at that point, I think, you know, by that time, Liverpool would say, well, actually, you know, you, you've had that opportunity now and, and we're not gonna go, going to go to allow that. I suppose it... For, for me, all along, it, it's been the case that it should have been something that has come in. The suggestion earlier this week was that the Premier League themselves are reluctant for that to happen because they think it would be an unfair thing to bring in partway through the season. But you know, really, what what is more important? Is it that or, or is it player welfare? I think it, it's something that you've just got to, to balance up. But you know, I've said it all along. I think the other side of Christmas, there'll be probably one or two more managers who, who think actually... Um, you know, five subs, maybe that would have been a, a better better way to go about it. I think certainly Fulham and, and Crystal Palace and, and one or two others have sort of been a little bit on the fence. I think if you start to get one or two injuries in, in crucial areas, as I say, over a difficult festive period, then suddenly you can start to, to change your mind on that. So, yeah, I think it's uh, an opportunity missed. And as I say, I think if Liverpool can get a few of these injured players back for the second half of the season maybe their position will will reverse the other way and, and maybe we won't see it quite so much from, from Klopp every week because, you know, let's be honest, he, he's saying at every single press conference at the moment, it's just almost like it, he, he says it, but he doesn't really believe that anything is going to change. And it, it's a shame, but as I say, I think there'll come a point in the season where actually it's more beneficial for Liverpool to go, well, you've denied us for the past six months. We're now going to deny you it potentially for, for the final. So... Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes, but it, it's just a nonsense, isn't it? I think it, it should have been brought in from the start. The fact that it hasn't is a little bit of a surprise, but it, it's it's more a disappointment than anything else. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Premier League Chief Executive uh, Richard Masters has said it's been sort of looked at a couple of times and they've decided not to go with it. But Gorsty, it was brought up in the press conference how there was a executives meeting on Thursday and Jurgen Klopp said it wasn't brought up, so therefore it wasn't something that could have been implemented. Any surprise that maybe a representative from Liverpool didn't raise it sort of to get the conversation going with the other Premier League clubs? Because Jurgen Klopp was saying, had it been down to the managers a couple of weeks ago when they all caught up, it would have been voted through sort of 15 to 5 or 16 to 4. 
Maybe, but I don't think we could speculate too much of, of what was said in, in that shareholders meeting. But Jürgen Klopp did say, didn't he, that the fact that it hasn't been broached and it hasn't been passed through is a sign, is not a good sign, he said, and, and is a sign that these shareholders don't particularly care about player welfare. And to be honest, I, I, I can see the argument where smaller clubs with less, you know, smaller squads would think that five subs hands an unfair advantage to clubs with, with bigger resources. That sounds pretty obvious when you're thinking of a one-off game, but over the course of a season, if uh, let's use Fulham as the example, if they're, you know, if they're playing too many games and can't mix it up as often as they might be allowed to with five subs, then they might suffer an injury to a Mitrovic or a Luckman or, you know, whoever else it is, Angrisa, you know, whoever their, their big players are, uh, and run the risk of muscle injuries, which leaves them on the shelf for, for the month, for six weeks at a time, when they're going to be fighting and scrapping for every point. Um, so I think in a one-off game, five subs does lean towards the, the bigger squads. But over the course of the season, I think it's the, the smaller squads who are going to be more impacted. And Liverpool would be able to, well, they've proven that they are able to handle um, big players being out for, for quite a long time because they've got the squad to do it. But um, smaller squads can't. So... Um, there is an argument for that, but I think that um, maybe sometimes it, it, the bigger picture perhaps it isn't being thought about and it is just um, the likes of Chris Wilder are just thinking in one-off games if, if Sheffield United are playing Liverpool because uh, if, um, if if the smaller squads have injuries to their bigger players, then, then that's going to hurt them more than, than the bigger teams, no question. Thought you were going to open the can of worms there of project bigger picture, but thankfully we're steering clear, clear of that one. Peter also brought up in the press conference, of course, the return of supporters to Anfield. And Jurgen Klopp was asked about sort of if he remembers going to a game, his first game as a supporter himself and sort of had a, a brilliant tell and was sort of saying that he was always a, a happy, a good supporter. He never got frustrated and shouted at the team. <laughs> yeah, do we believe that? <laughs> <laughs> That's another question. Yeah, we have another uh, a fistful debate. Uh, I'm not sure. I think we're all become victims, maybe, to our emotions at, at some point. Um, but yeah, it was a nice tale. I was quite surprised. I wasn't expecting um, him to have uh, such a lengthy action, uh, answer to that that kind of question. But I think maybe that that shows it, what it means to him to have fans back, and he's thinking about you know. Maybe there's uh, youngsters there. We're going to have their first experience, and they've missed out for so long that you know it, it means something to be able to look forward to something at, at the weekend and uh, to get back to Anfield. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that kind of buzz. You know, b- before the build-up, build-ups in kind of been very strange without any fans. No, you know, you know, no one's travelling, no one's getting ready in the in the stand. So to have that buzz back again, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, can't wait to sort of see the supporters back. And another point to, to raise from the, the press conference, of course, Matt, was the admiration that Jurgen Klopp has for Nuno Espirito Santo and, and everything that Wolves are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's it's no surprise. I think they're a really well-coached team. I really like the, the way that they play some of the players. They've got a fantastic to, to watch. Daniel Pedenza is one that's impressed me a lot this season. Adama Traore has been linked with Liverpool plenty of times and, and Pedro Neto as well is another one who I think is, is really, really good. So yeah, they, they've got loads of, of talented players. They play in a 
in a sort of system and a way that gets the best out of those players. I think if you think of someone like Connor Cody, I think the, the Wolves system, certainly when they play a three rather than a four, suits him absolutely perfectly. And yeah, Nuno Espirito Santo is, is one of the, the best managers in the Premier League, I think. I think he's you know, shown that you know since he's been at Wolves, he's obviously brought them up solidified them now and there's never any sort of suggestion that they might be in in any sort of danger of, of relegation quite the opposite it's it's a case really this season of you know can they even get into the top four and, and sort of take that next next step forward so yeah they're a, a fantastic team to watch brilliantly coached loads of good individuals and it sets up what should be a, a really good clash uh, against Liverpool at, at the weekend because you know, they, they haven't been scoring loads of goals they haven't been creating loads of chances but there's always a few goals in these sorts of games. And I think it's one, particularly under the lights, particularly with fans back, it could be a really interesting game to watch from that perspective. Yeah, of course, they'll be without Rao Jimenez, who, of course, suffered that uh, fractured skull against Arsenal. Our wishes, obviously, with him, and he does seem to be getting on with his recovery. But, Gorsty, would it be going too far, maybe, to say that Wolves were maybe the trickiest opponent for Liverpool last season. When you look back at both Premier League games, I think they scored early at Anfield, but of course VAR came to the rescue of Liverpool for once on that occasion. And then the game at Molyneux really was quite a tight affair in which Wolves had a good lot of the game, but Liverpool were able to get the win over the line. Yeah, I think so. I think looking at that Anfield game, it was just just before New Year, was it? I think Liverpool were running on empty after a incredibly busy December and they just managed to, to get over the line in that one uh, and I think Traore was, was on the bench for for about 70 minutes of that one luckily for Liverpool and then the one at Molyneux was a was a right old battle wasn't it I think Henderson scored early on Wolves got back into it with Jimenez um, Traore had an excellent game um, and Liverpool were, were um, kind of once again kind of went to the well in terms of, of their mental strength and pulled it out with a a late winner from Firmino and, and both games they, they, I think they were only within about a month of each other actually and they were really you know real battles um, season before was a little bit easier I think Liverpool went there just before Christmas and quite comfortable in the end and then uh, I think it was the last game of the season wasn't it just before the Champions League final uh, Liverpool won both so uh, Liverpool have won four in a row in the Premier League against Wolves and um, that probably um does Wolves a little bit of a disservice because um, I think outside of the the established top six, um, you could gen- make a case of whether Arsenal are kind of falling away at that point. Leicester, I think, are certainly emerging, but I think Wolves are as well in terms of teams who uh, really give this Premier League a lot of strength and depth. And um, it's going to be a, another really interesting battle on Sunday night. Yeah, they are a big historic club of English football as well, Peter. Big, obviously, all the way back even in the, in the 50s. But it does feel as though it's like a, a new Wolves. I know they have that third kit that's like a Portuguese strip as well. And they've got that Portuguese influence. But on what Gorsty was saying there, the, the, the games they've given Liverpool, they've not been like a newly promoted side. They've finished seventh in, in both of their full seasons back. They do tend to try and take the game to Liverpool, albeit they do have a compact nature in which they play. And Adama Traore is one man who certainly gives a, a few Liverpool fans cold sweats. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're a side that really try and they don't try and hide away when they come a, across a team like Liverpool. They try and you know match them as best they can with you know Liverpool fame for the you know front three, front four now, and and Wolves are, are trying to build the same kind of uh, system and try and you know fight fire with fire as it were. I think it was, it was mentioned earlier. It was, 
last time saw Wolves when they've only been they've only been up for like three or four seasons, have they, or something like that, since they were promoted, which is quite surprising when you think about it. It feels like they've been around for a lot longer, and that just goes to show what what kind of uh, team he's built in, in possibly a, a short amount of time, that they seem like they're Premier League regulars already and and that they deserve to be, you know, fighting up amongst, you know, Europe's elite and at least, you know, Europa League, if not, you know, pushing higher up. It's very, I find them very similar to, to Leicester in, in that regard, in, in how they've found a system and found players that work together um, with an emphasis on, on attacking um, and trying to be, you know, that kind of staple in, in European exciting football. Yeah, on that sort of note then, with the, the threat Wolves might pose, Matt, is is it going to be a big call? I mean, we'll get on to our team selector, but will it be a, a big call for Jurgen Klopp maybe to stick with Cuevan Kelleher after the performance he put in in midweek? I don't think it's a big call, to be honest. I think, obviously, Adrian's had his moments for Liverpool, but what Kelleher did midweek, it would be incredibly harsh to, to not put him in again. I think, obviously, we know how good he is with his feet, but he made a couple of brilliant saves as well. The, the one right near the end from Klaasian uh, Hontelar, I think it was, wasn't it? The the brilliant shots that, that, that he saved in that position. I think, you know, Wolves have a very distinct style. They will try and get in behind and, and stuff like that. And I think... Keller could be could be suited to, to playing against a team with if Liverpool can can use that high line and do what they would normally do with with Allison. I think obviously that's a, a difficult thing for, for him to replicate, but I th- certainly think he, he's got the ability to do that. So for me, the, the way that he played uh, against Ajax means it, it's pretty much certain that, that he will play on Sunday. I think it would be a huge shock if he wasn't to be there. And there's no reason on the evidence that we saw midweek that he, he couldn't have a, a similar performance again. So, look, I think it, it's going to be more difficult on Sunday than it, it was for Liverpool against Ajax. But, yeah, for, for me, there's no doubt about it. Kelleher stays in goal. Yeah, youngsters, of course, they often talk about opportunity that's afforded to them early in their careers, often through injury. And it feels with Cuevan Kelleher that this might have come at the ideal time. During the last international break, Stephen Kenny, the Republic of Ireland manager, came out and said, Cuevan's good enough to play for us now, but we need him to be playing consistently at club level. Albeit he's going to have a tough job on his hands to get ahead of Alisson. But whilst Alisson's out, which is becoming more and more frequent, he does look like he, he could be a, a suitable understudy. He does, yeah. Uh, Klopp said after the game on Tuesday that he was picked because of his of his ball playing ability, and and when um, when you watch the game, you, you can see what he means. He he was um, he was good good with his footwork, good passing off both feet, right and left, but not kind of overly. Um, didn't kind of indulge too much in that. He knew when to just knock it long and when to look for a pass, and that's something that I think Adrian hasn't done at times when he's he's um, deputised for Allison. Um, he's not Allison with, with the ball at his feet. This is a, a player who is widely known, Allison, as a as a ball playing goalkeeper. And um, I think Klopp's actually said that he could play midfield if if he wasn't a goalkeeper. So um, for Adrian to try and replicate that, I think it was against Aston Villa. You could see that um, immediately his, his kicking wasn't up to par, and, and it's a big part of how Liverpool play. So uh, Kelleher was was given a nod, and I thought he was. Very solid. Um, didn't have to be spectacular, but um, pulled off about two or three really decent saves and never looked shaky, never looked like he was going to make a mistake. And uh, all things considered, it, it was a perfect night for him because um, this was the biggest game of his Liverpool career so far. He's obviously played in, in the senior team before, but not kind of 
in a Champions League game with, with quite a lot at stake with so many um, established first-team players in the team with him. So um, I thought he, he passed with flying colours on, on Tuesday and doesn't really deserve to be taken off the team because um, I think it sends out the wrong message, to be honest, if he, if he does come in for or he does drop out for, for Adrian, that you can come in and, and play as well as you want, but you're not going to be you're not going to be keeping your place. So, um, yeah, I, I think and I hope he'll start on Sunday. Is it a bit of a worry, Peter, how often Alisson seems to be picking up these niggly, niggly injuries that he sort of seems to be being kept out of sort of two or three weeks at a time? It is, but I think it's a worry for, for most players, especially during now when, uh, with everything we've mentioned before in, in terms of uh, the season and how many games they've got to play. I think it, it's he's... Um, we don't quite know the, the nature of it. I mean, there's a few of the players, you know, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita, they've all picked up numerous injuries. And, and yes, they're, they're all a concern. Um, but you almost kind of have to just, just hope that you'll get a, a longer run of being fit rather than and the injuries will only be a couple of games or so. And, and I think that's why we are hearing Klopp say so much how, why it's important for him to be able to use even more uh, options that's available to him to try and avoid these kind of injuries, but I don't. Hopefully, it will only be you know a couple of games. You, Klopp doesn't have to play him in the next Champions League game um, with all matters being settled. So hopefully, it's only the next couple and and he can be uh, ready and, and waiting again. And talking of Wolves, Matt, to come at the weekend when the uh, sides come out, does Jurgen Klopp need to give? Nuno Espirito Santo as heartily a elbow bump as he can for the, deve- the development in Diogo Jota that he oversaw before arriving at Anfield. Yeah, very much so. It's been a fantastic start, hasn't it? Again, I'd expect to, to see him on Sunday. I think it's nine goals in, in 15 games now for Liverpool, which is superb by by anyone's standards. And yeah, we, we knew he was a good player. We never quite knew that he'd be quite this good quite so quickly. And it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because Jota wasn't necessarily a, a regular every single week for Wolves last season. He was in and out of the side, particularly. I think they signed Pedence in, in January. And from that point onwards, you know, they, they tended to go more with him than Jota for, for a lot of, of their games. So, yeah, we, we knew how good a player Jota was, but for him to, to sort of go from trying to, to get his way into a, a Wolves team last season to making his way into a, a Liverpool front three, which is as good as it is, uh, it, it just goes to show really how well he's settled. I think there's you know been so much said about him, but you know the, the fact that he's seemingly much more consistent under Jurgen Klopp than, than what he was with Nuno, I think that's a, a huge step forward. And yeah, look, the, the longer he can continue the, the goal scoring run, the better. And I think it, it it's just so fantastic to see that he complements the rest of, of the players so well and, and brings the best out of a couple of the other Liverpool front line as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's superb to see him doing so well and look at if he uh, was to, to add another goal to his name on, on Sunday against his former club, I don't think you know any of us would be surprised because you know he's just been been so so fantastic for Liverpool in, in the opening few weeks. Yeah, and as we got a comment on the screen for those joining us on YouTube and Facebook, they'll see that it is today Diogo Jota's twenty fourth birthday, and of course, yeah, I suppose that sort of underlines just how much more there could still be yet to come from him, despite the versatility and variety he's already shown in his Liverpool career, as well as being just so consistent. Yeah, we've got quite a quite a fair bit of coverage coming on Jota this weekend, obviously with him being the the new star in the Liverpool ranks up against his old club, and um, it's uh, he's at an age now twenty four where. Uh, Liverpool fans are going to be seeing the, the kind of 
uh, peak years of his career, aren't they? Um, he signed a five-year deal in September, so um, he's at an age now where he's a fully-fledged Portuguese international, three caps in, in eight games for them. Uh, learning, I think he was saying this week, how he's been kind of looking up to, to Cristiano Ronaldo um, when he's been playing for Portugal, because why wouldn't you? And um, that can only be a good thing for Liverpool. So it's one that was... Uh, Liverpool have been watching them for, for a number of years before they made the move back in the summer, but Liverpool obviously huge worldwide scouting network they're watching so many players aren't they so that there's no real surprise but um, I, I was told um, quite recently that Jürgen uh, Klopp was was always kind of taken aback by how um, how well Jota played you know when, when Liverpool were coming to analyse Wolves he was the one who always caught the eye with his work rate and his ability to to press from the front and play right across that front three and uh, he's almost kind of the the perfect Liverpool forward in, in that sense. Two great feet, underrated as far as his, his pace goes. I think, I think he is quite quick and, and he's very tenacious, isn't he? You, know, you can't just knock him off the ball, even though he is particularly slight. And as Matt says, there are nine goals in 15 Liverpool games. It looks to be early on that it's, uh, it's another one where they've, they've kind of uh, struck gold. Yeah, certainly. And they, of course, come up against the team in Old Gold on Sunday. So let's get into our team lineups then. I think we're unanimous then maybe in saying that Cuevin Kelleher is going to be between the sticks. Peter, I'll throw it over to you to choose the back four. Uh, the back four, well, I'd like to see Nico Williams take keep uh, his spot as well. And then I think it'll be pretty much the, the same as it was against Ajax as well there. So Nico Williams, uh, Fabinho, Matty Banner and Andy Robertson at left back. Um, sure it up, yeah. And I don't see a reason why might should change, and I'm not sure he has got plenty of op- enough options to change it. Yeah, any interjections there, lads? Or are we happy to move into the midfield? No, no, uh, no, no reasons about that. No, no alterations. I think, I think if if Trent is fit uh, and Jurgen Klopp sort of hinted at that, I'd bring him back in. But that's not to, to take anything away from Nico. And if there is any sort of doubt over Trent's fitness, then you don't take that risk. But I think yeah. if, if Trent is fit, then he will, he'll be in that with the, the other three. Matt, do you want to take on the midfield then? Midfield three, midfield two? Uh, I'm going to go for a midfield two, which probably gives away what my front four might be. Um, but yeah, I think Henderson and Jimmy Wijnaldum. Of course, did you go along with that or would you go for a, a three up against Wolves? It's a tough one, isn't it? Wijnaldum's played so much football he's only missed one game this season um, and Klopp's kind of spoken about him entering the red zone which uh, you'll be able to read this evening on our site so I don't know it's a, it's a tough one he's so important isn't he but he, he's played plenty of football but I suppose if he, if he does play on Sunday he's, he's got he's got a week off after that so maybe I, I would stick with him and, and go with go with the same one as, as Matt Wijnaldum and, and Henderson yeah, I thought you were going to say there he's missed one game in five years. It does sometimes feel like that with, with Jorginho Wijnaldum. Uh, Gorsty, I'll stay with you. Then you can uh, pick the, the front four, although I think most people have probably worked it out by now. Yeah, I, I think brings Roberto Firmino back in. I thought he was um, he was lively off the bench on, on Tuesday. He was so unlucky with the great save from Anana. He probably should have scored that one, but there was a period there where he, he kind of carried it 60, 70 yards, beat about four men. Put it on a plate for was it Salah and, and the chance came to nothing. So if he can kind of he's he's playing himself back into form slowly, and I think um, give him a chance to 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 start from from the off long side. 
Jota, Mane and, uh, and Salah. You going along with that as well, Peter? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, stick with the same, yeah. Like, like Ghosty said, I really liked how Firmino looked coming off the bench and it's uh, a bit exciting to see that he might be coming back to the, the Bobby that we know. Yeah, certainly hope that is the case. Let's give our predictions then. I'm going to say 2-0 Liverpool. Matt, what are you thinking? I think Wolves will score. I think they've got enough quality. They don't create too many chances, but I do think they'll score. But I do think Liverpool will have enough. So I'm going to go 2-1. Peter? Just be different. I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool. And Gorsley, to uh, finish us off, what's the score going to be at Anfield? I think it'll be tight. I think Liverpool will nick it 1-0. 1-0. Well, there'll be 2,000 fans there, of course, cheering on the Reds. That's all from us here on the Blood Red podcast. Do make sure to keep across the Liverpool echo over the course of the weekend. They'll build up to the game match coverage and much, much more. Plus, here on Blood Red, we've still plenty to come ahead of the game, including behind enemy lines for our podcast listeners. Don't forget to join us on YouTube for the debrief live after Sunday's game. And we'll be back to discuss the fallout from the game on Monday's Blood Red podcast. That's all for now. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.